welcome to episode 53 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right guys, so welcome along to episode 53 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good. Just calmed. We're, we're a little flustered. <laughs> we're in a bit of a rush today. We've got to go teach some aerobics to some girls at high school. So we've out, been out, we've done our ride, and we cracked that at a pretty good pace. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. I was feeling like crap, but... And, uh, and now it's time to do the show, though. Time to focus. And Iron Man Talk is brought to you by... Coffees of Hawaii. Hawaii.com for all your coffee needs. Oh, that's great coffee. Anyway, this week's show, we've got some news coming up. What we've got happening in the news. There's a little bit of news happening up. We've got a website of the week. We've got a high five. What's a high five? On hill running. Nice. That's actually a really good one. Quick product review center. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to flare Coach's Corner this week, but next week, John's actually going to go. <laughs> <laughs> next week, John's going to actually do an epic training week. Um... So just a, a, lots of people have been asking questions about this, and I'll just give one tip now. And people asking about the timing of when to do sort of epic weeks. So um, generally, around about six to eight weeks is quite good. So you can't leave coaches' corner out, can just, you? Just, you know, I'm doing the intro go. here, mate. Okay, carry oh, on. And there's a reason on. we haven't got coaches' corner because as much as you, you know, coaches' corner is important. We have got Peter Reed on the show. That's right. We did this interview with Peter last Wednesday, and Peter, it's an awesome interview. He's a great guy. Um, really open, Cody for some really great insight to like the What It Takes movie and uh, yeah, just lots, check it out, it's going to be the second half of the show and uh, we're going to finish off the show of questions and answers, which mm. is, he's written here, short and sweet. Short and sweet. So let's get into it, Nuge. 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 Look at the news for this week now, Iron Man have actually put their own little uh, YouTube link up on the internet. So we had a quick look at this, and it's got a few good little clips. A lot of it's just advertising and trying to get you to buy the Iron Man DVDs and so on. Yeah. But um, but there is a good little clip. I watched the one with um, Mark Allen and Dave Scott. Yeah, I watched and, it myself. And, and profiling that, and, and that was good. And, uh, and they've got a few other things in there, just sort of trailers, um, basically, for all the different races over the last uh, you know handful of years. But some good stuff on there, and if you do want to go buy a DVD, that's the place to go. And uh, Yeah, it's obviously targeted at selling DVDs, and they give a little bit of content from the DVD. The nice thing about the iMore one was that um, somebody had actually put up Iron War on, on the... Oh, uh, here we go. Where's the bloody phone? <laughs> don't let it go. Don't let it go. Don't worry. The Iron War, it was on the internet, and someone took put that up there. I don't know who did that, but... Uh, okay. <laughs> but they had the interviews of the athletes later on, and that just was kind of cool. Get rid of them. Oh, no, no, just... Oh, don't, no, gotta, don't touch it. Don't, don't touch, touch it. it. Yeah, that's okay. true. Okay, once it goes, once it goes. It goes. Anyway, there we go. that's so professional, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, check that out. Um, we'll link on, up on the show. You pretty much go to ironman.com. They've got a link to it here. And, okay. uh, and then we can do that then. Um, what else is happening in the news? Just bloody hell. <laughs> Stop the show. Stop the show. <laughs> We're back on track now. Turn the phones off. Turn the phones off. I haven't got mine. So one other thing just in the news this week, um, for, for Kiwis out there, there's a thing uh, starting down in Christchurch in April if you're keen to do a bit of cycling mileage. It's called the 6x2. Pretty big days, aren't they? I was pretty checking big days. it out the other day. Six by, basically, it's a 6x200 kilometre um, sort of bike tour around the South Island. Um, each day is around about 200 k's. Most of them are actually over 200 k's, and there's one that's just under 200 k's. So yeah, most of them are like two. There's some of them are 240, 250. So. Yeah, so some solid riding. It's it's more targeted at the sort of uh, intermediate to advanced level. But if you're interested in checking it out, it's it's good fun. It's done by the same guy who does the very well known five passes tour down here. Yeah. Uh, it starts in Christchurch, goes down, 
to Wanaka and then across the west coast, up the west coast, back over to Christchurch over six days. Um, so check out cisport.co.nz if you're interested in that. Cool. Uh, not much else in the news? No, not really. The World Cup got underway uh, last weekend in Australia for the short course guys. Yeah, but we're uh, Ironman Talk. Yeah, I know. But well, I thought, you know, we're triathletes. Well, Ironman Talk. So you carry on then. <laughs> Ironman Talk. Uh, we've got uh, Ironman... Yeah, what, what do we got? Oh, what was this here? What's this here? Ironman Australia. Oh, is that this weekend? Yeah. It's oh, coming up this back weekend. It up. Back it up. Okay. We've got the start list here. So for you Aussies, it's a pretty big weekend. It's a big weekend in Australia. Um, a second time round on the new course up at Port Macquarie. Yeah. Um, quite a slow course. You know, pretty tough. It's not like uh, Western Australia. It's a good, solid test. But no Chris McCormick this year. You know what I think is really cool? Is I've given Lisa Bentley the number one bid. Mm, bid. Bib. Mm. Yep. <laughs> bib, bib. So yeah, she's seated number one uh, in front of the males. In front of the males. Cool. Mm. So look, looking through the sort of field, we've got some uh, pretty solid, pretty solid athletes. Jason Shortus, I think, will probably be the race favourite. Uh, you know, really good athlete, and I'm not quite sure how old he. Oh, he's 36. Yep. Um, so Jeez, he looks older, doesn't he? <laughs> I hope he's listening. Oh, <laughs> but he does. He, like I saw him on TV one time, and he, he definitely looks mature. He spent some time in the sun. Yeah, he's been definitely. around for a long time. Uh, and we've also got Craig Alexander, who's going to be racing. So it'll be interesting to see how he steps up. You know, arguably the, one of the best uh, short course athletes in the world, and, and uh, half Ironman athletes. So, Jesus, nice I, deep profile, isn't he? Is. Nearly 30, 34, yeah. 33 pro males. Most of them are Aussies, to be honest. Yep. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that the field's weak. I thought Kieran Doe was racing. I can't see his name there. No. Um, but, but really good field. Just, just Aussies, and they're just solid athletes. You can't have a bad race in Australia. You just get your ass kicked, basically. No. Um, so Pete Jacobs is there. He's done well recently in the last uh, handful of Ironmans in Australia. Justin Granger, he got um, second down in the, the Wanaka race. Who else we got in there? Um, Patrick Verne. Uh, now, he's been... Uh, I think in the top ten in Hawaii a couple of times, or top fifteen in Hawaii. So, <laughs> so good, a good, really solid field. Not none of the real, real big time rock stars, but just some really good, solid athletes. So it should be pretty close racing. Um, if they, if Jason Shortus is within Kui of them coming off the bike, I'd expect him to take it. He's been yeah. running really, really well. Um, but he had a really solid race last year, didn't he? Late last year. Mitchell Anderson's racing as well. Now he absolutely blitzed the bike in Western Australia. And blew up in the run. And blew up in the run. So if he well, did he blow up or was it more short had an amazing run? I think Shortest had a really yeah, good run. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting battle. So we're looking forward to watching that this weekend on Ironman.com. So on the girl side of things, obviously Lisa Bentley's got to be favourite. Yeah, but I, but I think that um, Belinda Granger will push her pretty hard. Belinda, it's a good race, isn't it? Yeah. Belinda Granger, she, she doesn't piss around. You know, she'll go out really solid on the bike and, and give it death. Joe King is also um, back to do another Ironman. She's making a bit of a comeback. You know, she was one of the best short course athletes. She was world champion. And she raced last year, didn't she? she she's she's done another race. I remember she, making the Joe King joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, a, it's a good one, that one. It's a good one. You can keep it going. Um, and Joe King. Yeah, nice one. You've also got uh, somebody else I noticed in that, Rebecca Keat. Yep. Uh, so, former Ironman. Australia uh, and again another strong female field you've got what 15 20 females there so but again they're pretty much all Aussies uh, except Katja Katja Mayers is there and just just a good solid field Alison Fitz she should be pretty hard to beat so looking forward to seeing how you Aussies go and uh, be interesting to see if we get any age group is sort of so what's the course like now because Foster was quite fast wasn't it no not especially it's quite a bumpy bike course. I'm not quite sure about the run, but I know the bike is quite bummy. No big hills or anything like that, but just constantly sort of rolling, so so it's not very quick. Um, 
and I, so I don't know a great deal about it. Okay, then we've also, also got California 70.3 coming up, and a few of the Epic Camp boys are doing it. Yeah, so, so go the Epic Camp boys. The Albinator, I think. The Albinator. Uh, I think Mark Pietrofessa might be doing it as yeah. well. Probably Scott Davis. Yeah. And uh, so, all you guys, good luck this weekend. Holy moly, there we go. Andy Potts is down to race. Who's Andy Potts? He, uh, he's uh, one of the top World Cup racers. Uh, oh. He could do some serious damage there, I reckon. He, he actually raced uh, World Cup in the weekend. See, this is this is my link here, mate. This is why I talked about the World okay. Cup starting this I'll weekend. I'll give it to you this time. He absolutely Brian dom- Rosie? Yeah, he dominated the World Cup race last year in New Plymouth, basically by swimming and biking away from the field, but he held his own on the run. Uh, he's an ex-Olympic swimmer, so he could do some real damage if he's in good shape. He did blow up at the weekend for some reason, so I'd really look out for him um, absolutely hammering these guys. Uh, then you've got Luke Bell. Is it, what, what's his running like? Is it, it is good. He, it's he, good enough? He, he ran at New Plymouth last year the same time as Bevan Doherty on the run. Okay, so he's so, quite, yep. And he's good on the bike, and he's an amazing swimmer. So, so really look out for him, um, possibly kicking some ass if he's in good form. Got Luke Bell. Yep, looks pretty strong. Incredibly well. What's he like in a half? He's good in half. He, didn't, well, he, he didn't, won all his races. He won all his races. Yeah, you so. got Abel Torsten, who's been, uh, I think, as high as fourth or fifth in Hawaii. Yep. Uh, Richie Cunningham from Happy Days is there. Nice. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Happy Days. He's actually a pretty good athlete. Uh, Jeez, he must be pretty old now. Yeah? <laughs> um, who else have we got in there? Andy Potts. It's a pretty deep pro field. I mean, uh, we got Rosie, Will Smith there. From, he's a former New Zealander. He's, I'm not sure if he's racing for Australia uh, States or New Zealand. He's a, he'll, he'll, New Zealand. he'll 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 uh, mix, mix it up with those guys. Again, a big strong for a pro field. Mm. Great. Yeah. So yeah, opening seventy opening uh, race of the season for a lot of the Americans. So interesting to see how they go. And we're just about to pull up the women's field. Yep. Might be W. Go for W. Oh, whoops. Uh, w. Um, w. W. Here we go. W. Prime. Nice. Here we go. Not a bad size. Hilary Biscay racing again. Mm. She Le- races, doesn't she? Leander Cave can do really well at the 70.3s as well. She's a short course athlete. Desiree Ficker. So she was third in Hawaii. Was she second or third in Hawaii last year? Second, I think. Second, yeah. Yep. She, she's there. Uh, who Kate else? Major. Kate Major. Elizabeth Christensen, very, very strong. Becky Lavelle, she's another short course. Looks like it's quite a few short course athletes racing here. Kate Major. Uh, Again, a big field. Yeah, big field. Just uh, as many girls as what there are in the fa- uh, males, I should say. Very nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. And we've got uh, Sean Welsh as well racing. Who's Shane Welsh? Greg Welsh's wife. Oh, really? Mm. She was the one who had the crawl off with, uh, with so who took, Wen- who took Wendy it Ingram. The crawl off. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember actually. It was a crawl off between Wendy Ingram and Sean Welsh. God, it was disgusting. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, sensational. It was, it was painful watching that. Nice. So uh, the other race we've got this weekend is the Auckland Half Ironman. If you want to find a tough Half Ironman any in the wor- anywhere in the world, you come and do this race. Very, very tough day. Uh, it's got a split transition for the bike and the run. Uh, swim is a, a, an open water s- sea swim, and then the bike is very, very hilly, and then uh, the run's pretty pretty solid as well. So for plenty of Kiwis will be doing that, and it's really marks sort of the end of the season in New Zealand. Yeah, we've got, we've got our race. national champs this weekend, and the Auckland Half Ironman, the only other thing after that is Xterra. Do you know if anyone of notes doing it? Uh, we've got a guy who's been training in Christchurch, um, Constantine Bashaw, a, a German oh, yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a very nice strong athlete. Yep. I don't think they're going to get a lot of uh, elite athletes up there because all the guys will be racing the national tri-champs in yep. Wellington, so we'll wait and see. Okay, also news this week, Dick Hoyt, uh, you read this one, what's the story? Yeah, if you go to transitiontimes.com, there's a little article there on Dick Hoyt, he's going to be at the 
annual High Cliff Triathlon Sprint and Half Ironman being held on the weekend of June 23rd. Uh, just doing a little bit of talking there, so if you're interested in hearing about the Dick and Rick Hoyt story, and uh, I'm pretty sure everybody would be motivated by that, yeah, uh, that's a go story. check that one out. And finally, the news this week, we've got uh, NBC Sports are going to have coverage of the 70.3 World Championship in America. Now, it's going to be on 2 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, 11 a.m. Pacific. Yeah. Oh, that's a big word. Got that. Got that. Um, so that's obviously from like last year, mid last year, wasn't it? Yeah, so a little uh, bit of delayed coverage there. Yep. But yeah, check that out. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they show the drafting. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, because we all know that race is, <coughs> Actually, uh, give us some feedback on that show. Tell us about the coverage they had. Somebody can put it up on, what do you call it? YouTube. YouTube for us, because we, we won't get that stuff in New Zealand. It'll take bloody... Uh, Phil Liggett is doing a... Yeah, so I sort of comment. I think Phil Liggett does an incredible job, Phil Liggett and Paul Shue, and with the Tour de France coverage. But I don't know, I just find when he's done uh, triathlon coverage, I don't think it's... He does a great job. He's just He doesn't know as much about it, you know? Yeah. He's just, he's getting him in just to be the voice. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's just my opinion. Okay, well, there you, okay. Go. there you go. So we're going to move on to the discussion of the week. So we thought we'd go last week from Zoe, gave us the email, had came up with the idea of the discussion for the week, and it was the highlights of the first year of Ironman Talk. Now, not next week, but the week after next, we're going to make the official year show. I think that I think our first show was, I think, on the 9th of April. So we thought we should do it after the 9th, because that means we've actually officially done a year. So we're going to go through this, this list here, and then we'll get into it. So first of all, happy birthday from Mark. Great first year. Highlights was M Nutrition and peeing on the bike. Also, the Epic Camp episodes they loved. Mm. Luke from Bristol. I used to live in Bristol in the UK for two years. I used to run around... Uh, Bristol Park. No, what's the name of the park? The, the Downs? I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, you there for two years. <laughs> I wasn't training then. Uh, so Luke said he liked the Epic stuff and the discussion <clears throat> on runners' trots. A lot of people seem to like that one. That's good. Uh, T-Rex, good old T-Rex. Uh, loved the Epic Camp and... Uh, like the Alliance updates, the Campo, nice. Um, Gordo t- talking about swim tactics. Yeah, I found that really interesting myself. And although Hawaii was quite exceptional, third show highlight, it had to be, oh, meeting the boys before Ironman New Zealand. For that two seconds before I ran off the airport. That's right. Uh, and from <clears throat> Ed, he liked uh, the Mully Call. Peeing, the mully call. On, peeing on the bike, very, very uh, popular on that one. Yeah. And just a general humour. Good old John loved the Epic Camp. He thought they were outstanding. Yeah. Interviews with Scott Molina, Gordo, and Emily were fascinating as well. Rich Coleman said, one year on, you've set the standard. I see Bevan always does this. He rolls the screen up as I'm reading and I lose my place. <laughs> I'm setting myself up, you see. <laughs> one year on, and you set the standard that others cannot even come close to matching. It's beautiful. Highlights have to be uh, having my name spelt wrong and being called and labelled an Aussie. Crisis. <laughs> got my name spelt wrong again by our age grouper of the week this week when he wrote his race report. Jack, if you're listening... Take that Come E on. off the end of my name. I tell you what, Belinda, his wife, gets really angry. She, <laughs> when I first put the website up for the first time, she got an email. Take out the E. Yeah. Jim from that. What's that? KY. What's that? Kansas. Probably. Yeah. In the US of E. There's another KY, but let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a place, is it? I'm not sure. <laughs> Porn in a special knee bag, that was a random. Where, where'd that come from? I, when you said that, I don't, I, know. I don't know. Epic Camp again, and the websites for the Mullies, yeah, I agree, that was gold. Yeah. Uh, Shawnee B, Shawnee the porno. It's great motivation. 52 yeah. weeks of gold, beautiful. Yeah. And there we go. And he loved it, nice. Yeah. Overall, from Pete, overall, I think the entire series of every show has been great. Never once had a thought, Jesus, it's a bit slow or boring. Beautiful. Yeah. 
Steve R. loved the pronunciation of foreign athletes' names. And <laughs> episode 40, interview with Gordon Scott, that yep. was actually our biggest, when we look at our stats, that was got the most listens out of everything we've ever had. Yep. And also peeing on the bike. Um, hilarious moment, but personal highlights was runner trots. Friggin' hilarious. I had stopped running, I was laughing so much, and that was from Edge or Chris. Fegan, uh, his highlights, he's a regular contributor, we like that. Bevan speaking... Oh, well, that's when 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 M, oh, and I, yeah. M and I came out with the Mully call, that was pretty good. Yeah, Hayden, Hayden, Hayden Woolley's interview. Uh, well, the coach's corner. Yep, coach's corner. We like that. Beautiful. And other highlights including microphones not working. Bevan's phone. We've got, a, <laughs> we've got a, another repeat of that. Bevan's people saying people's names, and he liked getting the music. Yeah, nice. Epic Camp France in the US. I'm in New Zealand. Um, Ross, uh, John Berates, didn't oh, did I miss that, that one? That was actually really interesting because we got a, lot, a few bad emails about that one too, didn't we? People actually wrote in really complaining about us kind of giving them a hard oh, no. time. So, I'm standing by that. Yeah, that was interesting. We got like, you know, we got told off by a few listeners. So, sorry. We're a law unto our own, aren't we? <laughs> well, we try. Yep, you're next up. Oh, am I? Yep. Uh, this is from Glenn. No, you miss Paul from oh, Oxford, UK. I've, been, I've <sighs> been to Oxford a few times as well. Where's the park there? There's no parks and officers. Univers- un- park. University. Uh, the inter- interviews we did with Em regarding she nutrition. She was popular, wasn't she? And I think Em's going to be back on the show next week. And we're actually, he's asked we should have her as a regular, and the good news is... She is going to be a regular. Probably every second month we're going to get Em on just to discuss a, a short topic, so probably about 10, 15 minutes. So I think she's back on next week. I think we've got her, or maybe the week after. Nice. The Glenn special. This is from Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, best interviews. <clears throat> M or Andrew? Now, how do you say his last name? Apican. Apican, and uh, he just does that because he's friends with Andrew. Yeah, well, there you go. And the Mully screwing up all the names. And Glenn just maybe you should go back and listen to those peeing tips again, eh? Yeah, exactly. Couldn't pee on the bike in the race. Disappointing. Here ne- we go. Neil just about bloody brought a tear to our eye, oh. saying that his life wasn't worth living until Iron Man Tour came along, and uh, <sighs> and his top three moments were the epic camp interviews, M's interviews. And my rant at old Mr. Slam I Am. <laughs> yes, Duncan, we will have a Kona Super Special. That's right, we did the Kona Super Specials. <laughs> nice. Tom the Pom, John's impersonation of his wife. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Bevan's attempt at place names and athletes' names. Okay, he's given me a name to try. Edson, Ramon, Lima, Perina, Dos, Santos. Yeah, I reckon I did alright on that one. Maybe not on that word there, but uh, to show commitment and dedication to Iron Man Bevan doing the show. Yeah, doing the show from a bedroom when I was on holiday with my partner. That wasn't wasn't a high quality show. That one. Oh come on! (laughs) And from Stilo, first time first time poster, long time listener. We love that. Yeah, just says keep it going. Oh, okay. The last one. Good Good old Frank, and Frank had a god moment. Was the peeing on the bike, silver into nutrition, bronze swim tips from Gordo and John. Copper, because he also got to name the the ending of the show. Oh, that's right. So, and he's saying he's really enjoying the show, and uh, he's doing his first 101 in Texas in November, and he's hoping we can help him get through to then. So, mm. so thanks for your comments there, guys. <clears throat> so, on this week, we, I was out on a bike. Actually, I had a discussion with Felix through email last year, or last week, about um, rot, and uh, he was just saying how nice pronunciation. I got it right, didn't I? And he was just saying how the cost of the event was a lot cheaper once they actually got out of the IEM you know, world. And so I thought when I was out on the bike the other day that maybe what we could do for this week's discussion is actually think, is the price of the race fair? Okay, yeah. so do you think that the price you have to pay to do an Ironman event actually fair? Now, if you do, tell us why. And if you don't, tell us what, what you think they could do to add value so you actually felt you got your money's worth from the race. Mm. 
Um, it is an expensive race in comparison to a lot of the other races out there. You do get a lot of stuff for it. Um, you know, you get a couple of meals. So let's not talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that. It's next week. week's discussion. So, uh, so there. So there you go. So our discussion is is Ironman fairly and we're, priced. We are in, on our birthday special. We're going to sort of go through maybe our highlights of the year or something. Yeah. Sort of. Oh, it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be. Oh, I'm so excited. In Texas. I just can't hide it. Anyway, yeah. there we go. Uh, Website of the week. Was <coughs> sent in this week by Uli. Uli. Now, is Uli from Germany or Switzerland? Yeah, I think Germany because they've been giving us lessons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Uli, the Doherty's say hi. I was staying with them up in Taupo. Uli stayed with the Doherty's once. Right. So, Uli's uh, website of the week is wonderground.com. Uh, and I had a quick look at it and I thought it's, it's worthy. It's yep. a good weather website. But basically, it means you can go and check out weather anywhere in the world. Um, obviously, what it's doing at present and what the forecasts are. But what I found really useful for me was you can go into specific cities and actually find out what the weather generally does all the way through the year. So, oh, really? Yeah. So if you're planning a trip or yeah. something? Yeah. So if you're planning a camp, like I'm getting ready to plan um, Epic Camp Italy, and we're sort of looking at different locations, and I can go on there. And I mean, there's loads of weather sites where you can find out today's weather and the forecast of the week. But this one, you can go on pretty much oh, anywhere in the world, and you can just see the trends every year. So good if you're planning a training camp or a holiday or anything like that. Or even planning a race, and if you know you like the heat or the cold yeah. or something like that. So it's, uh, we have a link up on the site, but it's wonderground.com. And Uli sent us a whole host of websites. We've got websites of the week for ages now. And actually, we've got a couple of others from us and other people this week as well. Yeah. So, so thanks for that, Uli. So that's our website, website of the week. One, two, three, four, high five. So right. this week... How to run a hill, one of How my favourite things to do. If anybody, anybody I ever coach pretty much needs to get used to the fact they're going to have to do some hill reps. I absolutely love them. I think they're the best thing you can do. Why? You just get strength. It's a, basically a very low-risk way to do some good hard training, get your heart rate up yep. uh, and, and relatively injury-free. And it's just a good way, easy way to get some intensity in. So, so in this high five here, we're really looking at the technique for running hills, aren't we? That's right. Yeah, okay. So first first tip you want to do is, is uh, and some of these tips are just general running tips as well, um, but you just need to maybe emphasize them a little more when you're you're running up a hill. So tip number one is to have a slight forward lean. Really important when we're talking about forward lean is you're not bending from your waist and just pushing forward with your shoulders and sort of going into like a staple formation. You're sort of getting that complete forward body lean, keeping your hips nice and high and just gently leaning forward. So if anything, it's like a straight line on an angle. Yep. Okay, yep. And like you're kind of almost falling forward. Yep. So pushing forward with your hips and with your chest. Hips and tits, that's what I always say. Fair enough. Uh, you want to keep your cadence really high. Shorten up your step and cadence nice and high. Don't shorten up your oh, step. Oh, okay, sorry, that's tip one. three. Okay, yeah, tip number two, keep your cadence high. Keep your cadence high. <laughs> tip number three is uh, short, doing short steps. Uh, what you want to try to avoid doing when you're doing <coughs> going hard up a hill is trying to take big, long, bounding strides. Not, a fit, not an efficient way to get up the hill. Especially in an Ironman. Yeah, so keep your cadence high and keep those steps uh, relatively short. Good knee lift. Why the good knee lift? Uh, it's just something you want to emphasise when you're going uphill. You just get up there quicker. Okay. Um, so you want, if, if it's a relatively steep hill, your, your hill, your, your knees really want to be driving up, probably at a similar sort of angle to what the hill is. So if it's like a, that steep there. That steep there. See, we're, we're actually an audio podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they don't. They don't see that. <laughs> you just want to work on on having good knee lift. <laughs> okay, good knee lift. And uh, lastly, finally, just rhythm. Hill climbing on the bike and also, I mean, we're talking about running hill, uh, running climbing here. Um, it's all about just getting into a nice rhythm, just getting 
working on all those little tips we've talked about, but just finding a rhythm, just settling into it, and just setting a nice steady pace up on the hill. You really don't want to be trying to surge or anything like that when you're running hills. You just want to get into a nice rhythm and just steady pace up there. Okay, so it's good for your strength training. In a race, uh, why is it important? Uh, similar sort of things. When, you, when you're racing, just breaking things up, I'd suggest if you're a middle or the back of the pack um, sort of athlete, uh, if it's a really, really hilly course, maybe a... Um, is, is sometimes to actually walk some of the climbs and trying to keep your heart rate down a little bit. Um, but, but I just think it's a fantastic, safe way to, to race. But all these tips also apply uh, to train. Also, all these tips apply for racing. You know, same sort of things, keeping your cadence up. Um, Short steps is really important because in Ironman, the cramp effect is often the case. And if you try to stride out going uphill, you can mm. often bring on a more cramp. We should do a, a follow-on from this one time um, running down a hill. Yeah. And one thing, that you can actually pick up a lot of speed going downhill. We'll, actually, we'll go into that later on. Yeah. But yeah, maybe we'll do that next week. Yep. Although you gave me another one, didn't you? Oh, sorry. oh mate. Oh. Overloaded with information. Wait, too much information. There we go. Age Grouper of the Week. So we didn't really have any races last weekend, but we had, or this weekend just been, but we had Ironman South Africa a couple of weeks ago. And in it we have Connie, now how do you say that? Dubin? Dubin. Dubin. Something like that. And she took out the female 30 to 34 age group in a time of 10 hours, 49 and 09 seconds. Impressive time. And the reason I kind of looked at it was that I was just kind of having a bit of a scan through the results this morning trying to get someone to pick. And pretty slow swim time, but that was the same for everyone. 121. Pretty decent bike ride, 540 and a 339 marathon. Solid run. Yeah, pretty consistent all-round race, I suppose. But she actually managed to get in a top 100 overall, which I thought was kind of cool. I don't know if that's really common, but I just kind of saw that and I thought, you know what, Connie, you're getting it this week. That's right. Well done. Yeah, so, yeah. Connie, you are our age age group of the the week. week. Beautiful. Okay, and we, we haven't got music for this next one. What is next? Product Review Centre. So, yes, I was quite excited about this, and uh, we're reviewing the Blue 70 Swim Socks. Now, I just thought this... You were excited day, about this, weren't you? I was, because I, when I first got them, we got given them... I didn't them get any. You didn't get any. <laughs> Tough luck. I, 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 <laughs> I can't know. actually give an opinion on these, because <laughs> okay. I didn't get any. I'll get you a pair. Um, Everyone else on the camp had that. They did not. They did. <laughs> They're a really fantastic product. I, I hadn't had any of them until uh, until we had Epic Camp this year, and I got myself a set of Blue 70. That's how I got them, and you didn't. <laughs> I'm the one who dishes it all out. Um, I got sick because I had cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, it's a product I'd never really thought of. Um, and when I actually <coughs> went out and wore them, and swimming, uh, it just made, it's, it's a really useful product. That, it doesn't actually keep your feet massively warm it does keep them warmer than if you didn't have anything on at all i wouldn't know but i just found them really <laughs> practical for getting into lakes and things like that and i was away on holiday last week and i was doing a bit of swimming in the sea I had to walk across some rocks and these things were fantastic so um if you just check them out on blue70.com really good product i'm sure you can get them at the, your local distributor but just practical keeps your feet a little bit warm early season races early season training you need to check out if you can wear them at races i'm not quite sure if they're legal at all races or not um but really practical if you're uh if you if where you do your open water swimming you've got to get in and out of a, a lake or or the sea where there's rocks and things like that you can chuck them on walk straight in and uh and bob's your uncle one thing that the guys who did have them on the camp, <laughs> I didn't have them, but I heard. You're bitter, aren't you? you're wow. Bitter, man. I was man. jealous, man. socks. And I was Eating my, away at you. We did get the head socks. Yeah. So I was wearing my head socks when I was swimming. But uh, <laughs> no, um, the guys, actually, they, they, there was lots of positive feedback about them. But the thing that they also recommended them for was when riding in wet weather. 
Wit- the <coughs> serious wet weather. Yeah, because we got hammered on Epic Camp in that first week, and honestly, all the boys had their, their Blue yeah. 70 socks on, and they just oh, raved about them. Yeah. So multi-purpose. Multi-purpose socks. There you go. So um, can you get me some? I'll Just get you some. This <laughs> <laughs> is not the same. I feel you can. <laughs> okay, so next up, we've got our interview with Peter Reed. We had Peter Reed last Wednesday. Um, pretty much just going to put it on and go into it. Just maybe just a quick bit. He's, he's a legend. He's won 10 Ironman races around the world, won uh, Hawaii three times, really set the standard for the last, you know, maybe 10 years of Ironman in the world, isn't he? And one of the things that we liked about the interview was, you know, when you, you see Peter Reed at races and so on, he, he's a really quiet guy and doesn't Quite serious. Say much, pretty serious. But in, in this interview, it's just it's yeah, great, really, really open, yeah. and uh, and just goes for it. So uh, here's Peter Reed. Uh, so on the show today, we've got Peter Reed, three-time World Ironman champion, and won countless other races around the globe. So Legend. we're stoked to have him on board. <laughs> and uh, so what's uh, what's been happening in Canada today, Peter? Uh, just uh, ending our winter and uh, looking forward to getting on some nice dry roads and uh, getting back into some kind of uh, cycling shape this year. So um, I think a lot of people are probably uh, pretty interested to know what you're up to these days. I mean, you obviously sort of bowed out from Kona the, the year before last. And, um, yeah, what, what are you up to these days? Uh, I guess I'm doing many different little gigs. Uh, I'm coaching about uh, eight athletes. Um, I also have um, a training gig that I have in Europe working with uh, Oakley Transitions uh, training team. So uh, I'm coaching a bunch of people over there. I'm, I'm heading over there on Thursday for to the Canary Islands for 10 days. And, uh, and I'm also, after that trip, I'm going to Arizona and coaching a couple of my, uh, my uh, new pro athletes. And, um, and I'm also, um, basically, I'm in uh, flying school. Trying oh, cool. to get my commercial pilot's license, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Hey, so you went yeah, to school. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I've just been really busy doing a, many different things. I didn't want to do any one thing full time. I, you know, as a as a triathlete, I was very very driven and focused, and triathlon, you know, was the number one thing in my life. And yeah. uh, I guess I just want to take a break from that. That makes sense. Uh, hey, um, so you went to Cone last year, watched the race. We heard about you handing out drinks in there. Um, first of all, what was it like watching the race? And there is a rumor going around that you're making a comeback. Is is it true or? Uh, well, what do you want to talk about first? <laughs> oh, go go whatever. We ask the um, questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you definitely come up with the easy ones at first. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I, I did go to Kona last year. It was really really important for me to be there. Um, not as an athlete, but as uh, as a volunteer. You know, I've been going to Hawaii pretty much every year since 1993, and and I thought it would be odd to not go to the Big Island and just stay at home. So I was like, well, I don't want to just go to Hawaii and be, you know, um, a fading out star kind of thing. You know, I've seen a lot of pros and they're still they're not racing anymore, but they still want to be look at me, look at me, and that's not what I wanted to go to Hawaii. Um, I wanted to do something useful. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, the best way to go to a race and, you know, not just be a spectator or someone standing on the side grounds, but actually be involved in the race is to be a volunteer. So I decided, well, I'm going to be a volunteer. So, and I was like, well, where's the one place where no one could bug me? And I'm like, the energy lab. (laughs) They don't let media in the energy lab. They don't let spectators in the energy lab. And I will be a volunteer in the energy lab. So I... I, I went in there with two buddies, and we worked uh, pretty much a seven-hour shift, wow. and uh, 
And um, basically, the day before the race, I got asked if I would lead out the age group swim on a paddleboard. So I did that as well in the morning. So So what was that experience like, being on the other side? It was amazing. Um, Not so much. You know, I didn't work the pros. I felt that that was not my place to be handing out drinks Mm -hmm. to the pros. And uh, But uh, once the age groupers started coming in, I started handing out... um, you know, one of the toughest crowd to work were the uh, the age group men going around 10 hours to 10 and a half hours. Those guys, the look on their faces was more intense than any professional. Maybe, you know, Mac and Norman's face, but everybody else was kind of mellow going into the energy lab. The age group men going around 10 to 10 and a half hours, I got yelled at. Oh, really? you know, like he seriously yelled at like no I said coke damn it coke and they're like sorry man sorry did you pull out did you know who I am <laughs> oh, they didn't care who the hell you were they had a mission wow uh, but one of the most rewarding were some of the people you know like the glow skit crowd the people coming in at the later end of the day and they're just lonely and they really just want someone to chat with and talk to and you know I saw a lot of people come into my hate station very scared and I would see them look up and they would recognize me and a smile would come out and just my presence helped and Mm -hmm. it made me feel really really special and so it was a very very meaningful day for me and uh, you know so many people were asking me after the race well did it feel feel weird not racing and I was like not at all my my goal this year was to be a volunteer and uh, unfortunately while being there leading into your second question um, I saw, you know, Norman go by, and I was like, God damn it, I can beat that guy. <laughs> and so the thoughts of, uh, of racing again started uh, popping up, and uh, I started thinking about it. But, and I was, training, I was training pretty good for a few months, and then I realized that uh, I just wasn't into it uh, as much as I needed to be to do well. Yep. You know? And uh, it just wasn't that inner drive or that you know get out of my way i've got to do my workouts um just wasn't there anymore and then it just kind of faded out and i think that's kind of normal as an athlete when you step away there's part of you that wants to come back and uh and those were the the feelings i i worked through this winter and now i'm totally comfortable um you know being a little chunky and a little bit slow yeah (laughs) We we recently uh, reviewed and watched the the movie or the documentary What It Takes and definitely outlined you as a as a pretty focused athlete yeah, when yeah. you were training. Do you think that gave people a fairly um, accurate picture of of what Peter Reed was like when you were you were a full time athlete? Yes and no. Um, I was actually quite disappointed in the movie because you know, the whole reason I did the movie was for people to see how hard I trained. You know, yeah. like, how hard I trained. I, I never thought of myself as talented. Um, there were many guys that, were, that had so much more talent than me, but I figured that I had one of the better work ethics, and I worked extremely hard. And it didn't show any of my workouts in the movie. They have all that footage, and they didn't use it. Mm. Um, and the same thing with Luke and Heather and Lori. Well, not so much Lori, because she was pregnant, but... It, I don't think it came across in the movie, and that's why we all agreed to do it, was to show people how hard we work. And instead, they they made this whole little twist about, you know, with me breaking up with Lori and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, no, that's not what I wanted to talk about. It. But I should have known by the constant questions they were asking me throughout the year. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So, it was not the, you know, had I wish it was like 2003 or 1998, you know, those years where everything came together rather than, you know, the year where, you know, I didn't do that well in Hawaii and my training for Hawaii was atrocious. So. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting because they didn't show it yesterday. Yeah, and, and I was a little disappointed. I thought it was, it was a good insight, but I thought it could have been a lot better. So, Although, so oh, yeah. we definitely felt you were the star of the film. We felt that you were the only person who was like, really honest about the whole thing. And uh, a lot of people were just kind of, not well, the others weren't holding back, but you just definitely opened up and we kind of respected that. Yeah. So obviously one of the things we were really keen to ask you um, about was sort of the training that you did do. Um, you know, when, when you were sort of setting your season up each year, um, was it pretty much fo- uh, solely focused on Kona? And, and how did you sort of structure things in terms of your other races? Did they mean that much to you, or was it all every year focused on Kona, and that's how you did your build up? Well, and I guess as I got older, um, I realized that I really only had one race in me, and uh, I was willing to sacrifice a lot of performances you know at races and and get beat to save my strength and my energy to to nail hawaii and um so you know i would do a lot of training but i would save the crazy hard weeks or the big epic training days just to get ready for hawaii and so i felt like there was a lot of races where i was going in at you know 80 percent compared to hawaii where you know, I was at 100%. You know, I leaned down as much as I could. I did all these epic workouts. And I, I felt I could only do that once a year. And that was pretty much happening the last few years of my career. Um, at the beginning, at the beginning, I would do, you know, I'd do my whole build-up three times a year for the three Ironmans I would do and, and nail all three. Did that take discipline to actually, you know, go, you, you focus on one race, going to compete, you're an athlete still, and you're obviously a very competitive athlete. Did it take discipline to not be at your top all year? Oh yeah, that was really hard. It was really hard, you know, going to races like Ironman Germany and and placing sixth. Yeah. You know, and, and these are guys, you know, I know I can beat. I know I can beat, but and um, I really struggled. You know, I remember one year I went over there and with Lori and uh, you know, I think I placed fourth and we got back to my hotel room and I just freaked out. I was like, you know, just swearing and throwing stuff on the yeah. ground and Angry man. Like, grow up you know it's just a race and Lori had a very relaxed attitude about it I'm like no damn it you know and no it was very very hard very hard yeah so you, you talk there a bit about your your epic training days and, and things like that I mean what was your, is your training very much focused on on doing huge amounts of volume and, and how much importance do you place on on doing high intensity workouts um, well, I guess towards the end, it was, uh, you know, it, it revolved around a lot of, a lot of miles. And in those miles, there would be, uh, an intensity section. And, uh, you know, one of my favorites was like the six and a half hour ride I would do. And the last hour of that ride, I would be doing intervals at that threshold, you know? So, you know, I was combining the both, but like I said before, I could only do that once a year. You know, any other time of year, I'd either be doing volume or I'd be doing intervals, not both. And uh, as you know, for Hawaii, I was able to do both because I created this huge base of training, this huge aerobic miles in me, that I had a platform where I could do threshold work on top of that base. Did Did you train with other people? Um, not so much in the end, but uh, I did train. Uh, off, off and on with, uh, you know, the only triathlete I really trained on and off with was Tim DeBoom. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, but then I did do a lot of training with cyclists. Um, you know, my background is cycling, and I enjoyed training with cyclists. I, um, you know, there's a, a great cyclist where I lived in Victoria, a guy named Roland Green, who was three-time uh, mountain bike world champion, and we did a lot of riding together. And um, but majority of the time, I, I trained alone. Were you much of a, a training kind of tool guy? Like, did you love your heart rate monitoring your power meters? And if so, how did you use them? Oh yeah, no, I I was a big uh, SRM fan. Um, all my all my running and all my cycling were based on on heart rate and power uh, performances. And what I would do is I'd get tested every five to six weeks in a training wow. lab and find out uh, what my heart rate zones were. And uh, and uh, the majority of, the, of my training was at between 75 and 80 for 85% of my max heart rate. Wow. And I would just do lots and lots and lots of long miles or long intervals in that training zone. And then, you know, probably about five to six weeks out from Hawaii, I would start working on some threshold work. But the majority of the training was, was 85% and below to get ready for Ironman. And when you were actually racing, did you race to power and heart rate as well, or were you more dictated? No, that was the one thing. I refused to race with, uh, with any um, heart rate or watts or anything like that. So I, why? Uh, the only time... Uh, why? Yeah. Um, well, because with all that training, I, I worked on a perceived effort scale in my head. Uh, I knew what certain zones felt like. And I tried racing once with, uh, with a heart rate monitor, and because of nerves and adrenaline and endorphins, the numbers I was mm. seeing weren't the same as what I was doing in training. But I knew on perceived effort, like I knew like how, how much energy I was using. It'd be like an 8 on 10. And I knew 8 on 10 was like close to about 150 beats per minute. But if I was racing, it would be 155 beats per minute. And it would be like, that's not 8 on 10. That's like an 8.5 on 10. What's going on? Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a great story of, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Really, really good cyclist that did Hawaii. Um, um Lance, I mean, um, the yeah, telecom guy? No, no, no. He was a, he was an American guy. He was a mountain biker. He actually rode with Lance for a little bit. Uh, Steve Larson. Yeah, Larson, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there was one year Larson, he was catching us. He was catching the lead group of guys. You know, he's gaining major he's really gaining on us he's he's basically reeling us in but his watts were about 15 watts off of what he normally saw yeah he was reeling us in and pulled out of the race because he was like i'm just not on today i'm just not on <laughs> he was catching us but he psyched himself out wow. by his power meter and that happens <laughs> it's something to be a little bit wary of you know um people who don't have much experience it's a good thing to race with the heart rate monitor yeah. It's a good thing to race with power meter. Someone who has a lot of experience and knows their body, I think it's better to just go off perceived feel. You know what you should be doing. Hey, so we know a lot of the pros use coaches in a way where you make you kind of do your own thing, but you chuck your program to your coach to check it out. You, it's well known that you use Mark Allen. Did you use him much, and in, in how and why? Um, well, run that one by me again. Well, like, did you use a coach much? In the way you oh, designed well, the program, and and why yeah. did you or why didn't you? Well, at the beginning of my career, um, I didn't have a coach, um, and I went to Hawaii and DNF, and I went to 1994 again and DNF, and uh, part of me knew that um, I could do it, but it just wasn't happening. 
and uh, I figured that it was uh, I was just kind of going off of what other pros were telling me or whatever I was reading in the you know the triathlon magazines and uh, it was kind of like chaotic training it seemed like I was racing every day and never really paying attention to what I was doing and uh, finally I figured I needed to track down a coach and I ended up hooking up with an, uh, a Canadian coach um, who was who knew what the top guys were doing he was friends with Mark Allen and Paul and Yubi Fraser and you know that whole San Diego crowd and his name was Rock Fry Heather Fear's husband and Rock and I had a basically a, uh, a coaching relationship for about 10 years you know I, I my biggest successes were through his training program and I stuck to it I was militant with my training program uh -huh. if I was going up a, a hill and I was above my heart rate zone I'd start walking like that's how anal I was with this training zone Obviously, weird. Um, and then and then I then I started getting bored it was just the same thing year in and year out and I started tinkering and uh, I worked a little bit with Chris Carmichael and it was a disaster <laughs> and, uh, well he just you know it, it didn't work for me I just you know that was the year I, uh, I didn't finish in Hawaii in 2001 I was working with Carmichael and uh, and so kind of you know Rock and I had a bit of a falling out because you know I left him and uh, he wasn't cool so I went back to the original programs that I'd had I knew how to implement the program and that's when I started um, chatting quite a bit with Mark Allen. And it would basically be a conversation. Every two to three weeks, I'd just email him or call him and, Hey, Mark, I'm doing this. This is what I'm planning. What do you think? And he, it would just tweak the program a little bit. And it was just a sounding board. Yeah. And uh, Mark's got a really, really good concept on how to do well in Hawaii. And uh, it was just, I just felt like it was... Uh, I had an advantage over everybody else because I had Mark Allen rooting for me on race day. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Are there, uh, now you're sort of looking back on things. Are there, are there many common mistakes? Perhaps not you see you see from pros so much, but more from age group athletes that you see sort of occurring on a regular basis. Not just Hawaii, but but any sort of Ironman. Um. Yeah, the two biggest, uh, you know, I'm working with you know quite a bit of age group athletes, and the two biggest mistakes I see is uh, the new year starts and people start training way too hard. They're mm. not focusing on the big plan. You know, if I have guys getting ready for Hawaii, um, January is not time to be training at full tilt. Yeah. You know, you're not going to last. You're yeah. just not going to last. And there's a lot of age groupers where I see where September comes around and they're exhausted. They've got nothing in the tank. And... That's when you should be feeling that I'm, I can go. I am, I've been waiting all year to do this training. I can finally do it rather than, oh, I don't want to do this ride. I don't want to do this run. Yeah. You can't get ready for Hawaii with that kind of mindset or mm -hmm. physical ability in you. Yeah. And the second biggest mistake I see is race week. You know, yeah. The majority of age groupers work full time. They take a week off. They go to these races, and they've got all the time in the world to train all week long before the race. And all they see all week long is their buddies or fellow age group athletes pinning it all week long, full <laughs> tilt. And they're like, i got to go full tilt too because my buddy here is going full tilt. And everybody's racing each other all week long. They show up on race day tired. You know, you, you follow that. That's one of the things I wanted what it takes to show show what a pro athlete is doing race week 
You know what he's doing? He's training maybe 20 to 40 minutes a day, yeah. and the rest of the time he's sitting on the couch, bored out of his mind, reading a magazine or watching TV. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Well, as an athlete, you've obviously done lots and lots of races. What were your favorite races or race? Um, well, my favorite, my favorite race is obviously Ironman Canada because, you know, all my friends could come watch. Um, I love the course. It's one big loop on the bike, one big loop on the swim and uh, mountain back on the run. Uh, many races right now are, are many loops. And I think that's boring as an athlete. Some athletes love it. I, I always felt it was boring. Um, I thought the prettiest race was Ironman Austria. And, uh, and the one race I, I'm still killing myself for never doing was, uh, was New Zealand. Uh-huh. That was the one Ironman I always wanted to do, but being a Canadian, it was, it was just too hard uh, for me to get ready for. And I'm sure we can get you for your entry. Yeah, no, that was the one I really, really wanted to do. I've never been to New Zealand, and I have many friends that have said, oh, you would love it. Yeah, love yeah. it. That's cool. So ba- back to Kona, when, you, when you're racing in Kona um, and you're out there doing your thing, are you, are you really sticking to your plan or are you uh, looking at what others are doing and sort of trying to, to work off them or are you just you stick to your plan and that's it? Uh, I think it needs to be a balance. You need to be, watch uh, what other guys are doing, but you also need to watch um, almost like your red line in a car. You know, if you're redlining it too much, then you're like, well, there's not much I can do about this situation. But there's times where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm operating amazingly at 60-70%. Um, somebody's just gone off the front. He's making an attack. I can go with him. But there's other situations where someone will make an attack and you and you feel your perceived effort. You're like, I'm redlining it. I, I, I can't go. i got to let this guy go. Mm-hmm. And Or you need to make situations where, no, you know what? This guy, like, you know, the first year of the Norman one, literally that was a big mistake on my part and a lot of other people's part. It was like, I catch every year Norman Stadler at seven miles on the run. I will catch him again. And no one called. Yeah. You know, so it's... That was a bad mistake by a lot of us, but you know. And then he went and did the same thing last year. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> do, you, um, do like do you take many risks in a race, or is it, you know that red line? Do you ever actually think, well, I've got to actually take a risk here, and there's a chance I'll blow up? No, yeah, no. I've definitely, I've definitely taken chances, and uh, I, I strongly feel them that Chris lost the race last year because he was a little bit too conservative on the bike. He definitely. He went for it on the run. I, you know, watching him run was was awesome last year. He just, really? he literally gave it his all, and he's like, "I'm either going to get it or I'm not." Um, and I just felt he held back a little bit on the on the bike. And sometimes that's the risk you take. You know, you're like, "Well, I'm going to hold back a little bit and uh, and save it all for the run." Or other years, you're like, "I'm going to give it all on the bike." And uh, like in my last time in Hawaii. Uh, I was riding with this little group, and uh, we were in no man's land, and guys like Ferris and a bunch of other Euros were getting too much time, and I took a big risk and decided, you know what, I'm going to go at it by myself and try to reel them in by myself. And, you know, I ended up riding 30 miles by myself and, and caught or got really close to the lead guys, and I got off the run, and, I mean, I got off the bike, and I had nothing on the run, and I ended up running one of my slowest Ironman times in a long time, but... At least when I crossed the finish line, I, you know, I said, "Well, gave it, a gave it everything I had." Mm-hmm. So do you think? Um, do you think anybody's going to break eight hours in Kona, or what do, you, what do you think it's going to take? 
I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I didn't grow up a triathlete. Um, there's a lot of guys racing right now that didn't grow up as triathletes. But there's this huge wave of athletes that are growing up as triathletes. You know, these are guys that they're balanced. They can swim, bike, and run. They've grown up with swim, biking, and running. We're seeing these guys, these young guys in ITU right now where they have no weaknesses. And eventually there's going to be a kid coming through that uh, is going to hit Ironman and uh, it's going to be no weakness. You know, and he'll have this uh, huge drive and desire to win Hawaii. And that's the person who's going to win Hawaii, you know, who's going to break eight hours. Do you actually see anyone coming through yourself? Is there anyone, you know, maybe think of? Um, well, the one kid I, I think who who's who's just a phenom for long distance. He's still a little young, um, and I'm a bit worried that he might burn out before he actually does anything in Hawaii, and that's Terenzo. Yeah, yeah. You know, Terenzo, he's a, you know, he trained in my hometown a few years ago, and he's a smart kid. He's got really good people around him. He's got no weakness. You know, the kid is strong on the bike. He can run and he can swim. Um, but I do worry about He's trying to do too much too soon, you know. Mm. It's it's it takes it takes a few years to build that endurance in you, you know, the endurance where you can race eight hours. Mm. Um, he might not have to race our eight hours. He'll go seven fifty nine in Kona. <laughs> but uh, that's that's the one kid where I see that he is someone. It's either going to be him or someone just like him that'll break eight hours in Hawaii. And um, obviously, you know, there's always a drafting issue at Hawaii. I mean, what are your sort of views? And, and it's sort of gone from 10 metres to 7 metres, and now it's really uh, only 5.5, and, yeah. and, and WTC don't really seem too concerned about it. Yeah, no, I wish it was 10 metres, like the way it used to be. Um, and they need to reduce the numbers. There's too many people out on the course. Yeah. You know, there's just too many people. Yeah. That race should be capped at 1,400 people max. Now, you know, when I would ride down from Javi, it would be a steady pa- a steady stream of, it would be a big, long pace line. Yeah. Mm. You know, and you're just, there's too many people on the roads. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they're going to solve that issue, but, um, and, and now the athletes are a lot, um, there's a lot more athletes that are the same. You know, I remember my first years of doing well in Hawaii. I'd do the whole ride by myself and not see anybody. Yeah. You know, there'd be sections you're like 30, 40 miles and no one's around. Uh, now it's extremely rare. There's always someone around you. So, um, like, obviously the Olympics is a goal for a lot of athletes in most sports. Um, would you like to see them there and, and would it be a bummer that you didn't get to do them? I understand. Uh, yeah. I well, <laughs> I made a decision early on in my career that, uh, you know, I was an ITU athlete racing the World Cups, and uh, I knew that I didn't have, that there's a few guys that have the talent that can go back and forth. I knew I I could only focus on one, and uh, I made a decision to do Ironman instead of the Olympics, and, uh, you know, uh, my best buddy won the Olympics, so, you know, Simon Whitfield, we... For many years, we lived within five or six houses from each other. He lived, uh-huh. We lived on the same street, you know, so I got to live the Olympics through him. Wow, that would have been cool. Um, and we had a couple of questions from a few of our listeners. Um, one of the questions was, how did how did you sort of stay motivated to train week in, week out, um, whereas the sort of point was age group athletes sort of 
just maybe do one race a year. Was there any special thing that, that kept you motivated all year round? Um, I guess for me it was all about the training plan, and it would be mapped out for the year. You know, January would be work on this. You know, in February it would be work on something else, and then March. And so you know it was all part of a plan. You needed to check off A and then check off B. So it could all come together for, for me, it was the Hawaii Ironman. And so it was all part of a process. And every workout had a purpose. You know, you knew why you were doing everything. And that's why why working with the coach helps. Because you understand that, uh, well, if I, if I want to win, I need to do, you know, January needs to be along a lot of base miles. And every single one of those workouts is part of the base mile. So you kind of see the flow of the workouts and it's it's part of a puzzle you need to put all the pieces together to achieve the final and for me that's that's what helped you know that's what got me out the door because i knew every every one of those workouts was part of the, was one of the pieces to get to my final goal we've got a question from a guy called matthew and he's asking um in a race when you know you're low and you're hurting and it's you know <laughs> you're not in your good place, how did you kind of mentally get out of those places during races? Because I'm sure you experienced that a few times. Oh yeah, you know one of my biggest tricks for the marathon is I count my footsteps, oh, really? and I would count to twenty, and uh, and then I'd do it over again and then over again. And, you know I don't know how many people have said, "What are you thinking about the last three miles of an Ironman?" <laughs> I'm like one, two, three, <laughs> four. And I would count my, and it would disassociate, and it would, you know, part of moving forward is is finding a rhythm. And I felt if I could count my footsteps to twenty, I would start a rhythm. You know, I'd be like, oh, here goes a rhythm. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't thinking so much about, oh, my legs hurt, my stomach hurts. All I was thinking about is is my is my foot stride. Uh-huh. And it just seemed to disassociate from the situation and and get things going again. Cool. Oh, well, any, any other sort of news happening your way that you want to share? Or you, How's your coaching going? Uh, you're loving coaching? Oh, I'm side? loving it. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally loving it. Um, I've, you know, basically, uh, I was having some beers with Kona last year, and, uh, you know, I helped Desiree Ficker a little bit. I wasn't so much coaching her, but it was kind of a relationship I had had with Mark Allen. Yeah. Just, you know, just mentoring kind of thing. And so a buddy of mine are in Kona, and we're trying, and I'm like, you know, I, I think I want to start coaching some people, and... My buddy, who's you know, who's uh, who's been kind of somewhat coaching as well, and he's like, yeah, that'd be an excellent idea. He's like, we should get, you know, four of us that all know each other, and let's get a little coaching business off the ground. And next thing you know, we're totally overwhelmed. We weren't expecting the response we got. And I'm like, yeah, I only want eight apps. And he's like, I only want four. <laughs> so we kind of we maxed out already. <laughs> like we're already. I don't want any more, and he's like, neither do I, and so we're four of us, and all four of us are like, that's it, shut this thing down. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we're not like, uh, you know, the big conglomerate of coaching or anything like that. It's, it's, it's for all of us kind of like a hobby, and we both get a kick out of it, you know, all four of us get a kick out of it, but it's not a... You know, coaching business per yeah, se. Yeah, yeah. you're so, not going to be <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, for me, it's it's sharing my. Uh, it's a way to share my experiences with you know these. I mean, a lot of age groupers who, or you know, a lot of them are just just have no clue on where to begin, and it's it's a simple little plan, and they're like, wow, this really works. You know, taking the day off once a week, mm. and I'm like, yeah, it does. You got to recover. Yeah. You know, it's fun. Just one last question. Being a, um, you know, one of the legends of the game, winning Kona three times, um, do you, what kind of responsibility do you feel to the sport from here forward? 
Uh, that's a good question. Good question, Ben. Uh, I work, I work on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually did get a mean email. I guess, uh, I guess about a couple of months ago, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you know, you're charging athletes for money. You should be giving back. You should be coaching, you know, beginner or like junior athletes for free." And you know, and and it, I guess it hurt so much, or I felt it was mean because he had hit a point. You know, it's. Yeah, you know, no one wanted to help me out when I was struggling, and uh, and so yeah, it's something I'm, I struggle with a little bit. How do I, how do I give back? Because this sport has been really good to me. But you know, I'm going back to Hawaii and I'm volunteering again. And oh, you're doing yeah, this? I, for me, that's you know, that's I I feel good and I feel that my presence can actually help people. So yeah. you know. I think you would have. Uh, I, I really think you would have made a lot of people's day handing that drink out. So I think that's fantastic. And <laughs> and, um, and no, I really do. And uh, and just sharing your knowledge in places like this, I think you know, yeah, yeah, our listeners love yeah. that sort of stuff. So um, it's fantastic. So, yeah, definitely yeah. an inspiration. Thank you very much for coming along on the show and giving up a little bit of your oh, time. Oh, you guys were fun. Thanks <laughs> a lot, guys. And we uh, hope to maybe get you on the show another t- another day. In and, future. Um, yep. Yeah, just have sure. a... Good luck with the flying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. How long is it before you get your license? Uh, well, I, I was supposed to have my flight test last weekend, and I got uh, rained out. Oh, so no. uh, I have to go to uh, Europe for a couple of weeks, and when I come back, I'll try again. And, uh, you know, I'm in no rush. For me, it's uh, it was something that I wanted to do the whole time I was a triathlete, but I was, yep. I was so anal with my training and my lifestyle that I wouldn't let myself do it. So yep. I'm doing it now. Wow. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for that, Pete, and we'll catch up in the future. Questions and answers. So, short and sweet this week. Short and sweet. First just one. Just like questions. Just like, just like questions and answers. <laughs> Here we go. So, first one was uh, more of a comment. Oh, no, it was a question from uh, Paul Westwood. Now, Paul was racing Ironman New Zealand, and he actually beat us. He was in my little group on the bike. We should have taken him out. We should have pushed him off. We should have. I was not in my happy place, and... Uh, he was actually really chipper, and it was getting a little annoying. <laughs> we're going up the hill, and people are cheering for me. He's going, oh, yeah, I feel great. Yes. Yeah, He's an English guy. So, well, <laughs> Next well, time we're pushing you off. <laughs> it, it wasn't helping my day. I was just not happy. And um, so, he, so he was pretty stuck. Nothing there. worse when you feel like crap, and you turn around somewhere else and smile and all Yeah, and I, I was running from a little bit with him for a little bit, and then uh, I pulled away, and then he passed me at some stage and <clears> told me to keep going, and I, yeah, I wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, his his question was, um, did Good he question. Think, did he think that Epic Camp New Zealand was too much this year? There seems to have been more intensity stuff compared to other camps. Have you uh, have you recovered enough, or was there another reason for not such a good result for my man New Zealand for for Bevan and myself? I didn't actually do much of Epic Camp, so my reasons were completely different. Why I didn't do, do very well at, at New Zealand? It's more lack of training than anything. Um, What's your sort of answer to that, Bevan? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, my race really came down to the fact that I didn't run long enough leading into the race. I don't think Epic. I don't think I blew myself out in Epic. Epic was challenging and it was tough and it was, it was intense, but it wasn't. You know, I didn't push myself close to the edge. It wasn't yeah. like I'd gone to the point where, oh my god, I'm, you know, I've gone too close to the edge. Maybe like someone like Mike Montgomery, who, you know, if he were to do a race close afterwards, maybe it would have been silly. But I didn't really go to that level. No, um, well, you you were the strongest rider on the camp, so you never really needed to. And and I think one of the advantages Bevan had on the camp as well was I wasn't running. Yeah, and you're also used to that kind of training. We'd done some big weeks, and yep. it wasn't such a shock to your system. Yeah. Um, but having said that, other guys on the camp that that raced Ironman New Zealand had outstanding races. You know, David Craig, he was um, 
not one of the slower athletes, but he was sort of in the back third of, yep. of the athletes, yep. and he did a PB by 45 minutes. So I don't think there was too much intensity in there. Um, I definitely think that the risk when you come to Epic Camp is you can blow yourself to pieces if, yep. you, if you really want to, and then you can you know, have a bad result. But uh, but this year, I think, yeah. You know, yeah, for me, was. I think my race basically came down to not having enough run legs in me. So now I'm injury-free. I'm really looking forward to still being able to run for a while and really going to a race. Paul's, really well run. Paul's yeah. thinking about coming to Epic Camp next year. So oh, there you go. You'll more, find all out. out. Yeah. Nice. Next one. We've got a Richard Kingsford from... Oh, he gave us a bit of a tip. Nice. Oh, that's right, because a couple of people have actually commented on me eating creamed rice when I race, and... They're a little bit worried there, going, don't you cut your bloody mouth open on the tin and things like that? And nice. I, I haven't had a problem with that. But Richard gives us a bit of a tip that he's had. He says, with the creamed rice, he's used it in racing as well. And a good thing to do if you want to try it is actually to put it into a thin plastic bag and you can either put in your special needs or you can carry it. And then you can just um, rip the corner off and you can just sort of squeeze it out. Nice. So it's a bit easier to take in and you don't have that risk of sort of cutting yourself open. So good tip. Um, we like your tips especially for, for if you're going to do it on the run I think that would be really really useful um, my only thing would be on the bike it might just get a bit warmer if it's in a bag rather than in a tin but I think it's it's a good idea so thanks or for you that. could even put it in like one of those little plastic container things and just rip the lid off and swallow it yeah, if yeah. you're worried about the can yep we're hardcore we don't worry about cans yeah hardcore Joe from oh man you've got to give us where you're from yeah <laughs> Jeepers, this question, here it is. question is, you go for it. Okay, I recently saw a podcast, love it, great. Just, just read the highlighted parts. That's, oh, okay. what, that's what I highlight. Okay, I hear you talk about, well, I like the fact that they say they like the show. Okay, okay. And thanks, guys, for liking the show. Yeah. Um, I, I hear you talk about your long runs and your training. would be keen to hear about what we do in the long run, basically. Yeah, and what sort of speed we're running at, how yep. many Ks we cover, what sort of average heart rate. Yeah. Typically what I, I, I do a lot with my long runs is uh, I tend to do the first half in the hills. You know, I don't do a lot of long, long runs. You know, generally I'm running sort of two to two and a half hours. But generally what, what I like to do is run the first half in the hills and then come, up, come onto the flat and then pick the pace up on the flat. So we're talking if I'm, say, maybe eight weeks out from a race and I might be doing a two and a half hour run, hour and a half in the hills, come off the hills, do an hour on the flat, and the speed I'm running on the flat would be pretty close to my Ironman sort of pace speed. So, you know, around about sort of 4 minute 10 seconds per, per K um, pace. So for some people that's really quick, but for us that's sort of yeah, our, that's sort of our Ironman pace. So it's just for, for us heart rate terms, that's really sitting in uh, sort of steady to, to upper steady. Um, but we'd really just do that probably in the last eight weeks before a race prior to that and just your general sort of base phase, um, generally just doing the long runs at an easy to steady pace uh, and just building up the volume again. We, we pretty much always do our long runs in the hills. Bevan and I live directly yep. next to the hills, uh, and it's just a nice, safe way, and it keeps it interesting as well. So I'd really encourage you to do those long runs in the hills, but as you're getting closer to the race, do include some flat flat work in there at your sort of Ironman target pace. Yeah, so you train your pace because it's one thing to get your endurance up, but if you don't actually know how to, your body doesn't know how to run at the right pace for a long period of time, um, you know, you'll fail with it. He's, he's in Australia, there you go. He's given us he's something strife about the cricket. So it's all about cricket. You did actually play very well, but we're playing well as well. Yeah, it's very interesting, the cricket at the moment. Um, requests. Yes, I've just got a quick request. For anybody who's ever been over to Italy and done some training over there, uh, I'm just organising Epic, Epic Camp Italy. And if you've got any tips in terms of places to stay, um, some contacts, websites, anything like that, I'm really looking in the area around the Dolomites, um, sort of between Milan and Trento. So if anybody's got any tips there, we really like places where we've got sort of group accommodation, where there's some communal areas and things like that. Uh, really appreciate any tips; would be, be really useful. Just uh, are you planning for 08 already? Yeah, yeah. 
You're a legend. I am. You're a Organising. You've got to be, got to be well organised for these things. Nice. Did you plan your wedding? Did you do the planning of the wedding? Of course I did. We had spreadsheets. We had everything. Did you? Yeah. You're like a wedding planner. So guys, we've got our first Skype email question. Well, not email. It's a Skype question through, I suppose, coming through this week. And we thought we'd chuck it on now just for you guys to get a listen to what you can do on the show. Hi, uh, this is Dougal from Las Vegas. Uh, I want to know how I can race faster. I just want to go really fast. Thanks, guys. So, Dougal from Vegas. Oh, we're a bit, we're di- bit disappointed. We only had one person call in with a question this week. <laughs> Dougal from Vegas. Oh, Dougal, play how. We will, we'll, we'll, um, so, how do you go faster, John? Uh, look, I think you should probably should just swim, bike, run a bit more, Dougal. <laughs> um, maybe spend a bit of time in the gym. Yeah. And, and get a coach. So, yeah. so, I know a coach. <laughs> yeah. John Newsom, great coach. Um, Dougal. Knee. Yeah, there we go. That, that's your tips, Dougal. Yeah. Um, so we we have the ability now to have Skype questions. Um, if you want to do it, we have a link on www.ironmantalk.com. There's a little box that has Skype written in there, and on that there has a bit that says call us. And if you have Skype, you click on that link on our website, they'll automatically um, open your Skype and start to call us. Now, we have a voicemail message service on it, so you can leave a message. Now, if you want to have a question on the show um, and actually hear yourself on the show, use that, and uh, we'll put it on there. And I actually happen to know Dougal, and... Uh... <laughs> And, and he's not particularly... You're obviously a big influence because he sounds a lot like you. He's not the most technically proficient person, but he managed to figure out the Skype thing, so I'm so, sure you guys can as well. So he must be a bloody legendary. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's but more. wait, there's more. So if anybody, uh, this week, if people go on there and they, they leave a message, we've actually got a little prize uh, next week. It's a yeah. DVD. Uh, uh, it's a running DVD. Called Striding On. Called Striding, striding On. And yep. so if we're going to pick out the best call we get or best question out of the calls we get next week, and yep. that person will be getting a free DVD. And it's yeah, a it's DVD. A, yeah, it's a really good DVD. Watch this we'll, quickly. We'll go, we're going to do a little product review centre on it next okay. week, um, but it's a running DVD, and I actually use it. I send it to my athletes when they uh, they sign up with me, so so I think it's good. So it's worthwhile getting. Nice. Coffees of Hawaii. Coffees greatest of coffee Hawaii. in the world. It is the greatest And I'm loving, because Neil was saying, he's lots changed in his life in the last year. He's drinking coffee from Hawaii now. Right. It's the best place to get that coffee from. Nice. So if you do want to get some, you go on to coffeesofhawaii.com. U.S. and North American athletes can just go on there and order away. Anywhere else in the world, you just email them and they will sort you out. What's a French roast? Maybe we should get Albert on the show and ask him about that. It's it's a delicious Kona Kona Island-style blend, and it's French roasted. Six bucks for a seven ounce, 24 bucks for a two pound, and 50 bucks for for, for five pounds. So you can get ground a whole bean. Just go on there, add it to your cart, and away you're, you're away laughing. And it is really cool because a lot of our listeners who are actually trying the coffee are actually really loving it. And it's, you know, we like to know that we're, what we're recommending is the good stuff. Mm. And we knew it anyway, but it's still kind of good to get that feedback. And Albert's racing California this weekend, so good, week, good luck. Albert, we're going to get you on the show soon, Albert. That's right. Going to get you on the show. Look, we had we did have quite a few requests, you know, for getting some top age groupers on there, and I'm pretty sure Albert's been on the podium, in Kona. So, yep. so we're going to get him on there. That's definitely pretty fantastic. So, um, what else? Um, we have actually actually had some people donate to the show this week. I think uh, that's really fantastic. Um, really appreciate that, guys. Now, if you go to our website, www.ironmantalk, there's just a little section that says support Ironman Talk. If you click on the link there, it'll go to PayPal. Now, there's no requirement PayPal. on PayPal. Oh, I always get there in the wrong way. Right. <laughs> um, go there. And there's no requirement to how much you can donate, but and there's no you don't have to donate. It's just something that you can do if you want to support the show. It's really great. John and I are actually looking to get some new equipment um, that we can 
take the show more out of the, out of Iron Man Talk Studios, and we also started advertising the show, and that's one of the reasons we're doing this as well because we just want to get our make the community bigger and bigger. So um, if you want to do that, that'd be great. Um, the one click ad is really cool, and also another way to support the show is if you're going to buy anything anything through Amazon, um, come onto our store and uh, buy through Amazon, and we get a bit of commission on that. You're leaving that picture of you and Mike Riley up there, aren't you? I am. That's a pretty good picture, but isn't it? Yeah, it is. Anything else we need to mention? Well, special thanks to Peter Reed for being on the show today. Yeah, fantastic. You can go to P- uh, peterreed.com, uh, and, and he's actually got a coaching site by the sounds of it. He's actually full. Yep. Uh, doesn't want any more. Doesn't want any more. <laughs> but great interview, so appreciate his time. Uh, John's coaching website? Triathloncoach.net. Email questions, ironmantalk at gmail.com. Um, One other thing, if you've, uh, the topic we're going to be covering with M uh, either next week or the week after is going to be on sort of gluten-free types of things. So if you've got any specific questions on gluten-free or, or celiacs or anything like that, email those in. Okay, nice. Anything else? Don't think so. What are you going for the rest of the week? What have I got on this week? Go um, to Wellington. I'm to Wellington. I've got a coaching conference up there for the high-performance New Zealand sort of coaching thingy, and then when I get to watch the races on Saturday. So that'll be quite interesting. Nice. Looking forward to that. I'm going to head on down to Wanaka. You going to Wanaka? Yeah, going to Wanaka. Oh, Weekend away. I'm going to stay at my friend's Chris' house. Actually, Chris, I know you listen to the show. I haven't got contact with you yet, so can I stay at your house? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you won't mind. Taking the family. Good, <laughs> good. About 15 coming with me, so I hope that's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to head into Queenstown. I'm going to do this crazy thing, fly by wire. Have you seen that? I've seen it up in... It's uh, like a jet uh, engine on the top. It's kind of like a... like It looks like a coffin. And you've yeah, got a jet yeah. engine behind you and you steer it on a wire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a voucher for Christmas. So if I don't see you guys next week, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> Extreme Adventures of Bevan. Extreme Adventure. And uh, that's pretty much it. So yeah. uh, let's finish off the show. Train hard. No, <laughs> oh, Come on, man. Come on. Uh, Iron Russ. Iron Russ. Iron Mentone. Train hard. <laughs> Train Kia uh, just quickly, after the interview with Peter Reed, we had a few chance just to have a bit of a yarn to him. So hopefully, he's, he, uh, <laughs> we weren't actually going to include this part. Bevan's veto, uh, overruled, and he said he's going to include it. That's right. A bit embarrassing. And uh, John mentioned the race where you beat Peter. Yeah. And uh, it was a highlight. <laughs> obviously, Peter was still losing sleep over this, and you know, he just he was sounding like distraught. We had to stop him from crying. Um, so anyway, here it is. You, you probably don't remember. <laughs> I actually uh, met you, met you in, uh, in, in Phuket back in 1999. He, he beat you in a race, and it's his, he always talks about it. <laughs> it was back in Phuket, 1999. No, um, you'd like won Hawaii, and you'd do a race a week later, and John beat you. And he, it's his pride of his did, life. Did uh, Welchie take it that year? No, it was um, Mark Lees won it, and we, were, we came oh. off the bike together. And uh, oh, and yeah. I took off on a run. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally remember you now. I'm sure you, I'm sure you have nightmares about it, you know? I'm sure you're still losing sleep over that race. <laughs> Going to Phuket, you could comfort yourself pretty quick after that race. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was loving it. it yeah, so you made John's life from yeah, that day, great. mate. <laughs>